This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Being prepared by the Master's hand. This will be our concluding lesson. And I want to kind of tie, and this lesson will tie everything in that we've taught over these past weeks, but I want you to get it. I don't want you to feel like every time you come in you're just hearing something, but I want you to put it all together and, uh, and line upon line, hear a little, there a little, go back and listen to it and get it down because this time of preparation is so very important to this ministry and to your life, to your family's life, to this church. And so we need to make sure that we're at the point where even though we're concluding in this, it doesn't mean that God is is through with preparation, and because we still we we've known for months now that we are in a position of being prepared, and God is dealing with us in different areas of our lives. That's why you make sure you tune in on Friday because God is going to start moving into our finances, which I, is very important for the believer and 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 especially Church of the Living Water at this point in time that we should be understanding and knowing about. And if you will, go to the book of Isaiah 62, which is our foundational scripture that we've been teaching out of this particular point where God is dealing with us about being prepared ahead of time and planning on how to be prepared. And God has given us some so, so many, he's gave, given us tools, he's given us how to work them, he's given us so many things. You should never be at a point where you don't know what to study. And you don't, you, where do I study? Where do I go? How can you say that in a teaching ministry? Because you always have something to go. And when you do that, that's when God is going to even give you more in your own private time. In the book of Isaiah, we see God is uh, uh, letting Isaiah minister to the, uh, the children of Israel at this time. And we know that they were going, and God was letting Isaiah know that they were going to be restored. And so in that, in that point, because God has us in the point of restoration, we need to understand God has already mapped out for us how to be restored. Now let's look at verse 10 because it's a blueprint or a roadmap on how he has laid it out. And God has been dealing with us about this. And you have to get the revelation of this particular scripture. Because that's the whole layout of the plan. In verse 10 it says, Go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. Now we know that God is telling us in this that he wants us to get outside of the four walls of this church, get outside of our four walls of our computers, get outside of ourselves. He wants us to get outside because there's people out there, there's a place out there where they are, and God said, I am requiring you as a believer and as a representative of mine in the earth to prepare a way for them. So we have to make sure that we are in a place 
place where God has called us to be to prepare a way. To make a way to the way. And Jesus is the way. But we have to make a way. And then he said to remove the stones. We have to get everything right in our lives, in our family's lives. Everything that's hindering us. We need every weight that's in sin that's easily besetting us. God is saying, let's get rid of those things. Let's cast those stones off. Let's get them away. we got to get out of that so that I can be available to God and I can be effective. You cannot be effective if you have all of those things going on in your life. God is saying, no, I want you to remove those stones. Amen. Again, in your life, in the life of your, your family, and in the life of this church, God is telling us to do it. And then he says, lift up a standard. I love that. Lift up a standard to the people. God's not saying, I don't want you looking for an example. I want you to be the example. I want you to show people how it ought to be done. I want you to show people how it looks to serve me. I want you to stay on my standard no matter what comes your way to show people that I'm real in your life and that I have a standard. That's what was taught about in family life class. That's what was talked about on Wednesday and ministered to you on Wednesday. That's a standard of God. See, if you understand that it's a standard, he's not moved by anything that comes up. That's a standard that's in place. And God said, I want you to lift up a standard to the people. I want them to be able to follow you as you follow me. And that we have to remove... Wait, now God is not calling us... Listen, God is not calling us, to, again, to look for an example. God said, no, you be the example. So when you're a person that's going to be the example, a lot of things that come up in your life, you have to reject or you could say, you know, even if it's not sin, you've got to make sure that it's lining up with the standard. Did you hear me? You have to make sure because why? Somebody is watching and looking for a standard. So no, I can't do that or I'm not going to do that because I have a standard to uphold because God has already told me what? To remove the stones. And because of that, I've I got the standard and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk according to that standard. Amen? And then we said we understand that this is a time of preparation. We said that we will, and we'll continue to say, and we've said it for a long time, and throughout this series I've said it again, you must love preparation. You should have learned to love it. Even if you're convicted, love preparation. Because first of all, it tells me God still wants to use me. Because if you have your preparation, God is not wasteful. He's not preparing you because he don't want to use you. So that in itself makes me say, you know what, I need to love preparation because just the simple fact that I'm in this ministry and God has called us to preparation, then I know he wants to use me. So, so, you know, it'll keep you from being frustrated why you're not doing something. See, because you don't have to be doing something, you might be in a time of preparation. Sometimes preparation is sitting and being quiet and just hearing. So, but the fact that you're in it, what you should be rejoicing about is that I don't care that I'm not doing anything now. I don't care that ain't nothing going on now. I know I'm in a time of preparation. And the, that fact that I'm in it means that he wants to use me. See, God always has, God always have a restoring value in what he does. Amen. And I told you, everybody loves the game, but, you know, everybody loves that, but they don't want to put in the time behind the game, behind the scene, the unseen work. We talked about the unseen work. If you want to see seen results, you got to do unseen work. And then all of a sudden, somebody will look at you one day and say, now when did that happen? 
I didn't see that coming. Oh my God, I didn't. Oh, oh, wow. That's a, why? Because it was unseen work that you didn't see. And all of a sudden, and you know what? And, and they could be walking with you from day to day to day, and you can't see it. Then all of a sudden, you'd be like, oh. Now I just saw them and they didn't wait. It looks like because it's unseen work and it will always show seen results. It'll just show up. But it has to be the unseen work to get that show up. Not the one where you're trying to be seen. No. The unseen work. I'm telling you, this is what, this is what will make you love, love, love the time of preparation. Amen. Now, but there's um, a learning that you have to do that what that comes before that. You gotta learn, learn, grow, develop. All that God is telling us, He's telling us, learn, grow, learn, grow. Don't just please, don't just hear what I'm saying, or don't pick one particular thing out that I say. Or I might give an example because, and 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 I, I I get it. People, when you give examples, they get so caught up in the example, they forget the message. But you can't get caught up in the example. It's just an example to get you to see it, to make it clearer. It's like a parable. It just makes you where you can see it more. But you still got to keep your mind on what, in the forefront of what we're talking about, not the example. Even though the example might be good for you, but don't get caught up in that. Amen. That's how you learn and grow. And then we said you have to have an urgency to prepare. You know, it, it should be a hunger and a thirst to be wanting to get prepared. Like, you know what? I don't have no more time to wait. I, I have found out since September 1st of 2018, I have found out I have an urgency and I do not, absolutely do not have time for foolishness. I do not have time for comedy. I do not have time to mess around with people that are not serious. I do not have time with people that just want to wear you down with their problems, with their situations, but never want to change. I don't mind somebody telling me about their problems and situations, but I want to see when I give you the advice or I give you what God has told me to give you, I want to see it in action. But you coming to me every time or coming to even the ministry, I don't even want that to go on. Every time it's the same thing. When are you going to walk? At some point you got to walk. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're talking about the same thing. Why do you want, why do you want counsel over the same thing? I was listening to Minister Hastings this morning and I said, oh my God, all of these things God has been telling us over and over again. Why is he still ministering to us about it? Because we got the same way of thinking. I'm like, no, grow, grow. And then we have uh, the young ones coming up, and we keep trying to put it in you, put it in you, just get it. it that, that's an urgency. It should be an urgency to prepare. We have learned that time starts off your friend, but it ends up your enemy. Oh, my God. And that just, that pierces my heart when I see people's lives where time is their enemy. And I was like, oh my God, how much time you wasted. How much time. You know, you're thinking to yourself, oh my. You're seeing it because you see God speaking it and you can see it in action. And you'd be like, don't, don't, don't. Listen, you young adults and you youth, you know, listen, time is working for you now. 
Do not blow the time. Don't go off to college and get caught. I have seen it. Oh, I've seen it in this ministry. I've seen you go off to college and all of a sudden you just get way out there. You just just like you never, like you're in a new country or something. You just get so excited about things that's been going on forever. College has been going on forever. You're the first one excited, but you just like my grandchildren. They think I've invented Uno. They think I've invented the strong, the big red shake. When they find out Madam didn't do all of this, because they think I'm a miracle worker, because I come up with everything, everything that all the people go to college they act like you all don't understand. This is a new thing that's going on. And y'all never been, college been around forever. And let me, is that a place of higher education? Is that a place to prepare you? That's all. Don't, you know, because you went to a frat party, now you think, oh my God, y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. No, you, you, you don't get it. This is, this is it. Just because you joined a few clubs. At school. Just because you can sleep in and nobody has to wake you up, you think you're in a new world. It's the same. There's nothing new under the sun. You need to go back and read all of Ecclesiastes, okay? Because there's nothing new under the sun. Don't get excited about that. Don't go off and get your head all in the clock. Get your education. Did you hear what I said? I didn't say get a degree. I said get your education and get out of there and keep on moving instead of acting like, oh, this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. You used to think the same thing in high school. Now you don't even think about high school anymore. See, it's just, all it is is a span of time. It's a span of time. And then you're going to have to leave there too. Just like you got to leave your parents' house, you're going to have to leave college too. So don't get, don't get so caught up in, 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 in those things because let me tell you, time will flip on you and become your enemy. Amen. Time starts off working for you and if you don't do what you need to do, after a while, it'll go to the opposition and start working against you. And I don't care what family you come from. I don't care what you think. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care. Let me, time, don't, time is not based on your money or what you think you have. We learned that preparation requires participation. I, you know what? I have come to find out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little different. Look out of my glasses is up here. I'm a little different in this aspect. If you're not participating in nothing, this is, this is just my thought. And, and it's important to you that belong to this ministry because I want you to know because I want to be transparent because I don't want you to think nothing that's, that, that's not true. When I see that you're not a participant, then I don't know why you think that we should give all of our participation to you and you give nothing to the ministry. Um, and I want to, and I want to say out to all those young adults that called in that was convicted that way. I, I, let me tell you, I'm watching all of that. I'm watching those that do nothing. I watch all of that because all of that's important to me. Don't come, don't tell me how much you love your ministry and you can't do a simple thing. No, you going with your boyfriends, your girlfriend, you're doing everything else but ministry. No, no, no. But I appreciate those that stepped up and I'm watching it closely. I am reported to daily who called in and who did. And those people are people that I'm going to honor. 
you don't have time for the ministry, just know this, I won't have time for you. And I'm going to instruct the minister not to have time for you. Because, let me tell you, you have to give back to the ministry as well, if it's your ministry. Now, I'm not talking about visitors. I'm not talking, but if you belong to this ministry, and all you're doing is sitting, sitting down, do, and you're doing nothing. I'm going to tell you that now. You're doing nothing. And especially with the pandemic. You're doing absolutely You should be on board. Ever we on the panel? We should never. We shouldn't see the same person for four, five, six weeks because everybody's changing up. Because everybody have an eager urgency and an eagerness to say, "I want to be on the panel. I want to be." A see, that's talking about being. That's the, see. That's the thirsty God wants from you. He that hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. So you don't have to worry about, I don't know what to say. I don't know what. Well, if you're hungry and thirsting, he said, you shall be filled. So he said, don't you worry. All you got to do is study. That's all your part is. And I'm telling you, just like he does the ministers up here, myself up here, once you get up here, you start flowing in the Word, he'll just drop it in you because you've already studied. You've already, that's all you have to do. And because why? I'm, you know, it's easy to call yourself a wall building when you're really at the bottom of the, all you're doing, you're on the bottom of the wall. You're not on the wall, it just sounds good. People that's on the wall is working. But I make a note, I want you to know that. I make a note of those that didn't, because it is a lot of young adults. I make a note of those that don't, and I make a note of those that do. For my purpose. Because, let me tell you, if you don't want to give no time to the church, you're not going to waste our time. Because you know why? Because we got too much to do to spend wasting time with somebody that don't even have any interest in the church. I'm interested in church. Okay. Action speaks louder than words. It's easy to wear a t-shirt. Church doesn't live in water. Everybody can do that. But can you put in the work? I can yeah, I need to put in the work. You ain't put in none yet. And I'm not gonna get on that 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 horse, but you got it. You understand. I just want you to know, but I want you to know I appreciate you that was convicted and that called in and that said, you know what, I, I need to change. Those of you that didn't now now listen, and I'm not trying to manipulate you to call in because that's that you know, because I don't want you to do nothing you don't wanna do. Because that tells me you don't want to do. You know what? And this, this is how I feel about this as well. So you'll know. Even if at this point you don't need to get up, you need to sit down because maybe you've been in a little trouble and maybe you need to learn things, I still want to see that you want to get up. If you didn't get chose to be on the panel, at least you called in and said, I want to. But if I don't even see that, that lets you know you're still where you are. See, because let me tell you, if I'm hungry and thirsty, I'm going to call in. I'm going to say I want to I want to do it. And if they never call on me, they say, well, they'll never say I didn't call in because I want to. And when I'm a, and guess what? And I'm going to study every time when they're teaching and, and, in hopes that one day they'll call me up there. See, that's called preparing yourself. That's preparation. Not to, not see that that's waiting and not 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 saying, Okay, well, when they call me, then I'm gonna spring into action. You gotta already prepare and wait. Not wait and prepare. You got you know what? You better get busy. 
And see, just because you don't see us and we're in a pandemic, let me tell you, you're going to need your church. You will need them. Amen. Now, if you're going to prepare what God has called you to do, you must be a participant in the work. We also learn that, one, and I believe that's one of the most important things, is that when you are unprepared, you are in a unrighteous position. So sad about that. Why are you in an unrighteous position? Because I'm unprepared. And you know what? Don't get so caught up in your life and what you want and what you're doing. You know, if this is probably a time or a span of time in your life where God said, leave, put off what you want and what you want to do and concentrate on me. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All this other stuff will be added, but we want to get to the point. I want to get to this right now. Our intentions of this teaching was to make the, the church ready. Church, if it's to make us ready, it's because what? We're not ready. I don't care how much words you say you know. God said we're not ready. And we're, let me tell you, and we will not be ready until we do what God desires for us to do. You're not going to be ready to do what God desires to do next. You won't be, you won't be on point to do what God wants you to do. That means, listen, that means that each and every one of us individually have to look at ourselves, pat our own selves in the chest and say, I'm not prepared. If you were prepared, he would not put us in being prepared. I know we all think we are, but God said, for what I'm going to call you to do, you're not prepared. Amen? We need to focus our attention on the work. People are hurting. They're, I'm telling you, they're, they're confused, they're messed up, they're stressed, they're depressed. And even in the pandemic, they've gotten worse. They're out there. And they're looking for, you know what? People are looking for a hope. They're looking for something that's real. They're looking for something that's true. You know, there is a bridge between God's promises and these people that are out there that belong to God. And they can't, God said, listen, they can't bridge the two. I want you to bridge it for them. Let them know how much I love them. Let them. We can't sit in here with all the love of God in us and just be okay. we got to say, you know what, I'm not okay that I have all of this favor with God when God wants to give someone else favor too. I can't sit in here like, well, I know God loves me, but He wants to love someone else too. You were once there. You have to have, but God's going to show you what, why, why you're not there. But you, we have to have a yearning for that. I need to be in a place where I can help others that are hurting. Amen. People are trying to find companionship and friendship through the, li the, the lines or the outlets of social media. That, that's how they're doing it. And they, I don't want to feel alone. Well, let me get on Facebook. Well, let me get on this. Well, let me get on social media. Let me do this. Uh, and it's empty. And God said, that's not the way I want you to make a way for the people. I want you to make a way for the people in your lifestyle, in your way of thinking, in your righteousness, in your holiness, in your ability to stay away from sin, in your ability to obey my voice, in your ability to put in the work, participate in the work. That's how you're going to bridge the disconnection between God's promises and His people because people will see that in your life. They might not even understand what it is, but they'll see something in your life and say, you know what, I want that. i got to have that. Amen? Somehow, 
People just don't feel like they can come into the church and get that now. It's so much, especially in the church in America. We're so, we're, we're so much in the stuff, things, and, and what people have, and what they do have and don't have, that people that are hurting just don't feel they're comfortable enough. Um, can they really help me? Because when I go in there and I, when I hear the messages, they're talking about how you can get a house, and God and come up here, let me lay hands on you, and you're going to get a house, and we're going to bless your house. And, and you know what? I, I, I have a thing. Now, see, I, I'm just on my soapbox today. And I have a thing about this. Uh, okay, now, this is my car. Uh, this is my house, and I want you to come pray over my house, and you know, I want to anoint my house, and I want to well, first of all, if you're a believer, I don't need to anoint you. If you're holy, you walk in your house. Your house is holy. What is me coming over saying, let me pray over your house going to make it holy? If you're not holy, I can pray down blue in my face. I can pray, and that's hard to do. But if you are, you can pray any kind of way you want to. But if you're not holy, I don't care who coming. Throw olive oil all over your house and pray over the wall. I'm going to pray over this wall. And we went in and we prayed over that. But you're living in sin. That's nothing but religious. That's just religion. I don't expect nobody in church of the living water that buy a home say, Can you come over and bless my home? You ought to bless. <laughs> what am I going to do or any of the ministers going to do to bless your home? If you, seriously, now does that make any sense? You're the blessed of the Lord, but I need somebody to come bless my house. You're blessed. Let me tell you, it's blessed if you just walk in holiness. You don't have to do a particular thing. But you know where? That's all that religious stuff. We need to pray over that. And we, you, know, uh, you know what? I have just started. I'm just like my pastor. I'm, become, I'm just beginning to just really despise all this religion. Because that's all it is. Don't need, you, you don't need that. Because for me to come and bless your house is saying, I'm a sinner and can you come and bring God in my house for me? And most people that say, come bless my house, are claiming to be Christians. Sinners don't usually ask you that. Sinners, sinners going on and have their party. We're going to have an open house. We're going to party down. We're going to have, but, but most of them are believers that say, come bless my house. You can't bless your own house by just walking holy in it. If you're the blessed of the Lord, once you walk in it, your house is blessed. You got to tell somebody that. Amen. When they next time say, you have to be rude with it and just, just explain it to them the way I explained it to you. Say, you know what? I don't need to come and do that. You know, you blessed yourself. So you can, you can just, just, just walk into a holiness. Your house will be blessed. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, no, no amount of all and nothing, no prayer, no long drawn out prayer, none of that is going to change if you're walking in sin in your house. It's not going to change your household. It's not, it, let me, it, blessing your car is like that is not going to prevent you from having a wreck when you're racing down the car. Yeah, bless my car and I'll never have a wreck. And you drive up next to somebody, <laughs> You, you, so God just going to bless you because that's just foolishness. You see how foolish it sounds? It just sounds foolish. I'm, you know, if you just pray over it, lay hands on it, then I, you know, I can do whatever I want to with it. God already pray. If you put a Bible on the dash, when you have a rest, the Bible's just going to get crushed. That's not God. There's many of those in the store. So none of that makes anything holy. None of that's going to keep you. If it's not in your heart, 
Your dashboard won't get it for you. Amen. And then we said, where am I? Because see, y'all got me off. We need to focus our attention on the work. People are hurting. We understand that. And God is looking for us to be that pe- the people that bring people where they need to, to be. Listen to me. To ensure that we have generational success, and God has already told us he wants us to establish his will in the earth with our families, our church, our lives. But if we want generational success, some of us can look at, you know, we have to look out in our lives and say, you know, have I left anything? If I left the earth today, have I left something on the planet that's enough to ensure generational success? You have to ask yourself that right now. If you left today, have you left enough that there will be generational success in your life, in your family's life, and in this ministry. Have you done enough? Some of you can say, well, I know I ain't done enough. I don't even have to go to church. I go to church more now than I ever did, and that's only because I, I don't have nothing else to do but be on the computer. So you need to ask yourself that. Have you done that? You know, you need to look at your family. You can see that they... You can, some of us, we can look at our family. We can see that they're out of position for generational success. They're out of position for it. You can look at the fractures in their life. You can look at the division in your family and in your life. And all of, the, all of that leads to the demise of your family. It leads there. And you can look at it. Don't not pay attention to it. Look at it. Because it's there. And if you look at your church, and we can look at where we are as a church, even though we've done some things, listen, we're still not in position to have generational success. We're not in position to have generational success because we have to establish the church in order to have generational success. And that has to be people that are committed, that are sold out, that no matter... That's not people that's trying to get away, trying to make something happen themselves, but saying, God, I'm established where you put me, and I'm going to make sure that I have generational success. I'm telling you, some people don't even think about their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren, not even their children. They're not thinking about what's coming next. What is go- When you're gone, how are they going to be? Because some of you now, I already see, some of you are still, some of you came out of your youth group, you came out of your young adult, and you had a parent-pleasing relationship. And you still do. It has to be on your, you let me tell you, it, it, now that you're an adult, let me tell you, it has to be one-on-one with God. Because for some of you, let me tell you, if your parents wasn't around, you wouldn't even be here. See, that's called parent-pleasing. And if your parents left today, you'd start being sketchy. You're only being right now because they're here. That's a parent-pleasing relationship. And that's when, after they're gone, that's because the generation of success, that's when it stops. Because then you, well, they're not here anymore. Now you've got your, your ear to anybody that's talking to you. And the enemy will provide within your family. We don't have to go there no more. Well, you know what, it's just not the same. We need to, and you like there's the generation's success cut off right there. So you have to ask yourself, are you doing all this for your parents? I'll follow you wherever you go. Well, what if your parents can't follow anymore? Suppose they leave the earth. Then what are you going to do? 
See, you got to follow whether they go or not. You're, you're an adult now. You're not a kid. See, at some point, I, let me tell you, you, let me tell you how strong your belief has to be. <laughs> and this goes to show you too. You have to be so strongly believed that God has placed you in this place of preparation that I don't care if my parents leave and go to another church. I'm staying put because I know what God has told me. See, that's a relationship for yourself. But if all you're doing is following, when they leave, you won't follow. I promise you that. You will not. You'll be like, oh yes, I will. No, you will not. Because you're in a parent-pleasing relationship. Now, it's okay for children to be in a parent-pleasing relationship because they they're they growing up in that. And they should. They should have the influence. But once you start getting into an adult, God is like, where's our relationship? Just me and you. Okay. All I'm doing is saying what God said. Remember what I prayed? I'm only going to speak what He speaks. Amen. And He's giving you a chance to examine yourself. Just examine yourself. Amen. We want to ensure generational success. We can look at the body of Christ as a whole. And in this country, in, in, in America, and let me tell you, we're not in position to have generational success. We can see the church. And again, this, the church as a whole, not this church, but this, the, the, church, the church united, they're dying and decaying right before our eyes. I'm telling you because we're caught up in every. Oh, they're big and they're mega and they got that. But if, have you listened to the message? See, that's what people don't do. They don't listen to the message. They look at volume. That's all. They don't look at, look, look at quality. They look, I listen for the word. Man, let me tell you, that's one thing my past, that, people would always think Pastor Hill is, don't have nothing to say, but let me tell you, if anybody is ministered, he was always quiet, because he listens care, he listened carefully to what everything was said. He wouldn't let nothing get past, and then he would come home and minister it to me, to make sure I was lining up with just that. He would, if we would go play, when we used to go to conferences and everything, he would sit there, he would listen to every little thing, because he was not gonna be fooled or tricked. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to, and, and, and then he died. Now, he, he, he never was the type of just looking for error, but he was always aware. If something wasn't right, nope, it's not getting in my family. It's not getting in my life, and it's not getting in my wife. Amen? So we have to make sure that when we see things that are decayed, don't look at the volume, look at the quality of the word. That's the thing. So God has given us a challenge to establish the will of God so that we can have generational success. Listen, it is so important that you value the place of preparation. We talked about that. People will talk about you for not moving. They'll, you know, from a place of preparation, they'll call you names because you won't leave that place of preparation. They'll try to entice you to get out of the place of preparation before time. But God didn't tell you in that, it, that. But they will get in your ear. And now you're their friend. And now you, and you listen to them long enough. And they'll talk to you about leadership. And now you start looking at leadership. All those foolish things. And they'll give you compliments and swell your head and tell you, oh, look what you have. You could do this. You know, you sitting in front of them. You don't have to do that. You, people will follow you. And most of the people in the church, they'll follow you. There's value in being in a place and position where you can grow and where God has placed you.
Don't get to listening to people. Listen to people that you know is off with God. No. This is my thought. And one and, and you should know this. Now just in I was sitting and thinking and about I was thinking about our founding pastor and in the years of people that was, was, was under him and myself and this, but this this is this, this and, and I want you to know this is my thought. This is what I think. I think that no one should ever become a pastor until they first become a pastor's steward. Because you learn so much there. You learn so much there. Where you can sit and listen. You want to be around them because you want to hear what they're saying. I want to be able to help my pastor put a, I used to see people come and help pastor put up, put on his robe and, and zip it up. But people learn things with that. Other people are like, oh, they just brown those and all that. No, no, no. You learn stuff when you're around the man or the woman of God. You learn stuff. You learn how that you learn. You, you watch them with their notes. You watch them with the way they're talking. You watch those things. That's how you learn and grow. And I, Lord, I remember so many times, so many young men, the pastor tried to take on them under his wing for them to learn something, but they couldn't, they, they, they were in their own life. Now that, that dispensation is closed. Because, wow, lack of understanding. Don't understand. You have to be a steward. Remember what we, you remember we talked about Joshua? He was a steward. And that's how he came into where he needed to be. But nobody wants to do that anymore. Everybody wants to skip the Joshua and become the Moses. Amen. People don't understand. They just don't understand how it all works. But why? Because they don't value the place of preparation. You have to value that. You should learn something every time that you're in a place of preparation. You know, one of the things that I've known, and, and I want to be an extension of my pastor in this, is that, and, and I said, you know what, that's the way, the way he was. See, some things I have to grow on from. Some things I can keep. And this is one thing that I will keep because this is what he kept. I want to be a person known to prepare others to do what God has called them to do. And that's what Pastor Hill did. Most people that came here that are ministers now didn't even know. They might have even knew they had a calling on their life. But they did not know what God was doing until the, the, the pastor showed them the way. And then they understood they had a calling. That's what I want to be. I want to make sure people know and people get in position and be prepared to do what God has called them to do. I believe in the preparation of others. And that takes time. I talk to my sons all the time and I tell them different things and the way I want things done. I say, no, this is the way I want it done. You might not understand it. You're not going to understand it. And don't try to convince me because you don't understand what God is speaking to me about. I'm like, nope, this is the way I want it done. And that's that. Because I'm not going to explain to you what me and God is talking about. I don't have to. You just do what I said do. Amen? And so again, I believe in the preparation of others. I believe in gathering people around me, listen, with skills, talents, 
and abilities and I believe in giving them an opportunity to learn and grow in the safe environment of this place. I want them there. I want them. Even the unskilled, I want you to be, if you want to be skilled, I want to surround myself with those that have a hunger and a thirst for that. And I believe that if I can do that and put everybody in that and they can be under the safety of the banner there, I can put them under the safety of the banner because of God. Because of God's hand being good upon me. Not me. But God's hand being good upon me, that I can, can, can bring them under the banner of my protection from God, where, and when I say that, it's where they can make a mistake and not be judged by it. They can make a mistake and I can take the brunt of their mistake. You got it? I can take the brunt of their mistake because I want them to keep growing and develop and get into position. So I'll be like, yeah, well, they did that. Yeah, that, that was an error. That was that. But I'll take the brunt of that. But you know what? I want them to stay here because this, that. Because I want them to what? To grow and get in position. Where? For what? So that they can be used. Now, it might not be in the time frame that they want. But I'm putting them there. And, I, and, and I've, I've come to learn, I never want to throw people away that have value. I never want to do that. And see, you have to understand this too. Instead of worrying about who's going to take care of you when you get older, prepare somebody to. See, that's preparation, preparing somebody. Prepare somebody to take care of you when you're older. Make an investment. That's how you prepare. Make an investment. Are you following me? Now, and after saying all of that, let's, let, let's start some new information. Write this down for your subtitle. How to be made ready by establishing the will of God. How do I be made ready by establishing the will of God? If I'm ready in advance, if I'm ready to be used, if I'm ready to deal with adversities, if I have planned in advance, now I am in position to establish the will of God. I'll say it again. Because all of these things we have gone over. If you are ready in advance, if you're ready to be used, if you're ready to deal with adversities, and we know how to deal with adversities by learning from the adversity. So you'll be ready for the next one. If I have planned in advance, now I am in a position to establish the will of God. When I say establish the will of God, I'm talking about establishing His will for this time that we're in right now. This is how we get ready for His next move. By establishing the will of God for this time, right now. Listen, I like to say it this way. You have to do now... What you know now to do. You have to do now what you know now to do. That's what you have to do. In other words, you have to take what you know to do now and establish those things now, not later. So oftentimes, listen, we are preoccupied with future things. Oh, I want to buy a house. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. Oh, and this happened. And next year I'm going to do this. And, that. and future things that we want to do. You know, everything, I want to do this. I want to do this. I mean, about next year this, uh, this. In six months this. In three months this. Listen, we're so preoccupied 
and wanting to do what we want to do, that we forget about establishing the present right now. We forget about establishing things that need to be done now because I'm looking for what's going to happen. Well, I thought, well, when I get out of college, I thought I'd do that. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's fine to put on paper, but don't get caught up in that that you forget about right now. Right now. For example, don't be so excited about graduating college if you didn't put, listen, if you didn't put in the work in that degree and grade point average, listen, that it looks like something that it can launch you for. That it can launch you forward when you graduate. See, not only do I just want a degree, I want to make sure that grade point is right with that degree so that it can launch me wherever God is taking me. Not just this. Like, I mean, okay, I got a degree in, you know, I got D's all the way across. Well, listen, you, you got to think better than that. Let it launch. And, and listen, and I don't put a whole bunch of value, value in education when it comes to the things of God. But God want to take you places. See, we have to establish now in order for it to be there later. Did you hear me? You have to establish now in order for there to be even be a later. You established now if you want there to be a later. Listen, if you're not established, you're not prepared for what's next. And something else is coming. We won't forget that. You know, sometimes we can you can have good marks. You can be you know what? You can have good marks and not be a good student. Did you know that? Oh no, they're good students. They make all A's. You know, I know I knew somebody that Isaac was the type that did not need to study in high school. He could just do it in high school. Just do it. Isaiah, everything that he had to do, he had to hustle for. That's just that's just the way it is. He had to I mean I mean Isaac could do his homework in the kitchen with a bunch of noise. Isaiah needed to do his quietly. And get get your stuff done. But listen, but let me show you how it it it, 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 it makes a difference. You could be make good grades, but still struggle. He didn't really have to do much. Isaac didn't really have to do much studying in high school. But when he got to college, it was different because now he didn't really know how to study because he didn't have to in high school. But in college, it became a little more difficult. He got good grades there, but it wasn't like it was in high school. See, he made good grades, but that was with no effort. Now, now I have to learn how to study. Learn how to read and stay, read a lot of stuff. See, you can be a good student, make good grades, and still not be prepared. Because he wasn't prepared when he came when he went to college. Oh, and it, it never ceased to amaze me. I love to talk to people that go to college for the first semester, and they always say, "Oh, it's just like high school. It's okay." And I would say, I always laugh because I'm like, "That's that first semester thing that they think the whole college is going to be like that." 
And then you talk to them at the end of the year, they be like, oh, we got this girl. I thought it was so easy. It, that view was always so easy. You know, it was just like high school going in. No, it's not like that. Listen, and let me tell you, and, and, and like I said, Isaac didn't have to study. Isaiah did have to study. And you have children that are like that. You have to, you, you, you have to really, really, you know, get in it to, to get it. Listen, but how people judge us and think of, about us is actually not who we really are. Because they're looking at something else. It's not actually who you are. And usually, when you get to the next thing in life, it usually catches up with you, though. So I'm not impressed with people talking about their children making A's and this, that, and other in high school and stuff like that. And they got skipped and they did all of that and everything. And they, they really don't have to study. They can do all that. All of that's fine and well. You better tell them to start studying now because in college they're going to need it. That's a whole nother ball game. That's like going from high school football and going into going into the pros. Totally different. You know, all them little guys that in their little district in high school, they tan up everybody they think they can. And then they go to college, they see all them big guys coming in, they be looking like, oh shoot. I was bad back home. And that's you know and, and, and then from college, then they go to the NFL or I mean they look at them and they oh God, you know what, I'm gonna go on and do something else. Because, see, it's not what you think. Listen, you have to get yourself established where you, you, listen. You have to be established to a point where when, you, when, when things show up, you're going to be prepared. Oftentimes you get by and, and, it's, and it, with, with, because you're not established, you get by with things. But have you noticed it always comes back? It always comes back. It's good for a moment. But you're not established. Oftentimes you'll get by. But if you don't get established, it'll catch up with you with the next thing to come up. It'll catch up with you. When I talk about being established, I'm talking about whatever God has called us to do. We have to get that firm, stable, and settled right now. Get it firm. Stabilize it. And say, this is what I know. And settle it. In other words, we have to get our lives to a point right now where we can be able to be counted on. See, that's what... Those are the people that I'm looking for. With what God has called us to do, I am looking for the people that I can count on. Not the people that are just talking the talk. But people that I can count on. When something is established, you can count on it. And God wants us to be able to be counted on in this time so that we can be trusted to be counted on for the next time. God said, I'm going to show you who can be counted on now and they can be counted on for the next time. If you're going to be established in the will of God, you have to understand that when we establish the will of God, it creates a foundation for what's next. You always want a foundation. When you are serving, it creates a foundation for what's coming. And God has already told us something else is coming. There's a next. This is going to establish in the will of God in your life, in your family's life, in this church. It's going to give us a foundation for what's coming next. 
Now every person under the sound of my voice, there are areas in our lives where we need to get established. Did you hear me? Every person under the sound of my voice, there are areas in our lives where we need to be established. No matter how old you are or how young you are, there are areas where we need to get established. God has spoken to our hearts. It could be spiritually, financially, it could be emotionally. I mean, all of the, all of the areas above, all of the ones that are listed, it could, it could be in any area. But listen, if you have a list of things, you need to get them established. Sit down. Let God tell you what you need to get established. He began to tell people about those that are thinking about marriage. He said, you're not fit for it. And when I say you're not fit for it, I don't mean that you, you, you know, you, you ain't no, no marriage. He said, you don't have enough information to understand what a godly marriage is. Let me teach you. You're not fit for it yet. See, you want a wife that's meat. But then you need to be fit. Then you need to be fit. Now, listen, there are areas that we need to establish. God wants us to get our lives established. We got to establish our lives so that we can be a foundation on which someone else can build. God said, I need your life to be a foundation which something else and someone else can build on. I think of all of us, and we look, and we look at all of us can look at our families. There are some things that need to be established in our families, and it's been going on for years, and it's still going on. I'm like, no, it needs to be established. God is trying to get some things established for the next generation can build on that foundation. I think if we look at our local church, there are some areas where we need to get some things established. Now, the only way to establish the will of God, it requires for you to arise and build. Don't you forget it. See, we, we haven't talked about that because God started us off with that. Arise and build. In the first few months after pastor transition, God told us to arise and build. And he said the only way you're going to establish the will of God in your life, in this ministry, is to arise and build. In other words, it requires us to get up and do something. It requires us to get up and do something. Now I have a few points I want to deal with, and you know, and all of it's going to come out of the book of Nehemiah, and uh, uh, and when we go there and listen to me, note this for your first point of the morning: to establish the will of God, my heart must be grieved. Now see, that's why that's why we can do any old thing. We're not grieved. Your heart must be. Grieved. If I'm going to establish the will of God. For my life, my heart must be grieved. Let me explain that to you. And one of the things I've learned is this about God's people. Things that are grievous tend not to be grievous to us. Things that are grievous tend not to be grievous to us. And if I'm not grieved by something... I'm not going to rise and build. I'm not going to rise and build. If something doesn't really break my heart, I'm not going to do anything about it. If it doesn't grieve me, I'm not going to do anything about it. We need our hearts to be broken in order to rise and build. 
Please say, you know what? No. It's time. It's time. All, enough of the foolishness. And when I say that, that our heart needs to be broken, I'm not talking about that we need to be upset about some things or frustrated with somebody. No. I need my heart to be grieved. A grieved heart is a different kind of emotion. A grieved heart is a different kind of emotion. A sorrowful heart is a different kind of emotion. It has nothing to do with a disappointment where, oh, I'm just disappointed and frustrated. See, you need to look at the things in your life that are not established. And that ought to grieve you. That ought to grieve your heart. There are areas in my life that God can't use because they are not right. That ought to grieve you. Oh, I wanted God to use me, but you know what? God said, examine yourself. There are things in your heart that's not right. I need to look at the condition of my family. I need to look at the condition of me and, you know, and, and see my family that they're not where they ought to be. It ought to grieve you. It ought to hurt you deep down on the side. Let me tell you, if you have a child in homosexuality, if you have a child in lesbianism, if you have a child that, that, that's in wrong relationship, in financial trouble, in wrong way of thinking, you got a child that's on drugs, you got a child in many different things. I don't know how you can just fellowship like this. That doesn't grieve you. See, things that are grievous don't grieve us. We just seem to accept it because society has. It should grieve you. And I'm going to show you why ain't nothing been done about it. Because first of all, it does not grieve you. You ought to look at the state of this generation and see all the things that they're going through. And it ought to grieve you. That's why God called us into this. Because it's grievous what this younger generation, the younger generation was into. Listen, as much as I'm hurting over the loss of my husband, listen, and as much as I'm hurting and I know my children are hurting and I, and I hurt that, that my children's father is not here, because I know how my children are. I, I'm going to show you what grief will do. But gr I grieve for children that never had a father. Because, see, my children had one. That breaks my heart. Because I know what a father... Well, see, I lived without a father. So I know. So I can grieve about that. I, I can remember growing up as a child when people would say something about their father or their dad and everything. And I would think to myself, oh, I wish I had someone I could call dad. Uh, you know, dad, because I didn't know... I didn't know anything about a daddy. Or anything about a father, because my father passed uh, passed away a month before I was born. Never knew him. Don't have any feelings one way or the other. Nothing sorrowful about it, because I didn't know him. But I would hear people say that, but I never had that in my life. So now that my sons don't have it in their life, I can grieve for others that never had it. At least they once had it. But what about the children that have never had, even that have had fathers in the home but never really been fathers? See, that ought to grieve you. Or you look at children that that making wrong choices and wrong moves and things, and you think they didn't have a father in their life. It ought to grieve you. It ought to grieve you. They don't know the joy of having a father. 
That grieves me and that breaks my heart. And I know children in this ministry, it grieves me and it breaks my heart that they don't have a father. I hurt as much for those that never have a father as I hurt for my children that have lost their father. Because I see them and I know. I'm trying to get you to understand something. And see, before I had an understanding of fatherless, but now I have a deeper understanding of being fatherless. But if, but I think we can look at the fatherless, and if it doesn't bother us on the inside, something's wrong. It should grieve us on the inside. It should grieve us. It ought to grieve us down on the inside. It ought to grieve us down on the inside that 33% of children are being raised by their grandparents. That ought to grieve you. See, when it's not us, we tend not to think about it. But it ought to grieve us. There ought to be a mourning in the church. That ought, this, is, this ought to be the time when our hearts are heavy. Why? Because of what we're seeing in our family. Because of what we're seeing in this generation. Because of what we're seeing in our lives. And when your heart is grieved, listen. Understand this. You can't, you can't excuse that grief away. When your heart is truly grieved, you cannot excuse that grief away. You can't just push it aside. I've tried. When your heart is really grieved about something, you wake up with it, you carry it with you through the day, you, when you go to, in the evening, you carry, when you go to bed, and then when you get back up the next morning, it's still in your heart. It's still weighing on the inside of you. Just weighing down in you. That's grieving. Church, I'm trying to tell us, if we're going to be ready, listen, it starts with a heart that is truly grieved down on the inside of what we see that is not right. It has to be a grief down and say, uh, this is not right. This is not right. I don't care if it's your family member. That's why, this is the reason why nothing is coming to fruition in your family. Because you don't grieve about what they're in that's wrong. You might not. See, there's a difference with not liking it and grieving about it. We'll see. You'll see. And because we're not, or we are so grieved, we will not allow things to go on to be carried on into the next move. Say, no, I'm, I'm too grieved about this. This is not going on. This has to stop now. It can't go on. Another generation as a church, yes, I'm not going to be able to let this go on again and pass down from generation to generation. Listen, yes, we can sing praises to God. We can lift our hands. We can rejoice. We can hallelujah. We can do all of that. But there should be something going on on the inside. Now, most of the time when we are 
all into praise and provide. It's things that's going on personally with us and we can kind of relate to it. But what about the grief for something else? For those hurting in our families that we know are lost. That, see, we do, because they are lost, I'm telling you, I've never had or never experienced grief until my husband passed. And let me tell you, that kind of hurt and that kind of grief I cannot describe. But it's something I never felt before. Never felt before. And I've had people that I've known that have passed away, but never this kind of grief. Not that kind of hurt. And it probably will never stop. But it's a grief. But that's the same kind of grief that God said, I want you to feel about what is not right in my sight. Because when you get to that place, then I can help you make it right. See, if you're not, you, you're not going to do anything if you're not grieved. Well, that's them. No, I'm grieved. Well, that's their life. They're grown. They don't live with me anymore. They do that. No, I'm grieved about what you're into. I'm grieved about that. I don't accept that. I do not. I am grieved. God has not given you the solution to help them get out of trouble they're in, your children, or anything else that you grieve about. He hasn't given you the solution because you have not grieved. You just don't like it. There's no grief there. We're going to find out. Nehemiah grieved for the people. That's what caused everything to move. There's a grief has to be there. Where are the people of God that know how to grieve for what they see? See, and then when you see amazing grace, you feel the grief. Because you're like, yes. Why? Because somebody don't know His grace. So I can feel it. Somebody don't know this amazing grace we're talking about. I can, you can sing blessed assurance. And you can grieve because you're thinking to yourself, Father, it's people out there, your people out there, that don't know your blessed assurance. Don't know that you are His. You are theirs. They don't know that Jesus is mine. They don't know what a foretaste of glory divine. They don't know that. So I ought to feel bad about it. If I have family members that are away, I ought to feel bad. I ought to feel grief. And say, God, how can I just sit up here and magnify you and know all the goodness? Yes, Jesus loved me. But Father, somebody that don't know that you love them like you love me. In my, just, you know, besides just people that are out there, in your family. There ought to be something on the inside. When we're praying, thanking God of how good he has been. Something in our hearts should say, but somebody don't know how good he is. Aunt so-and-so just really don't know how good he is, Father. No. Some of you don't even grieve the fact that, you know, because your children are here now, your grandchildren are here now, your family's here now, you, you don't even you don't even grieve. And I mean, even if they, they, they're not even born again, you, you don't think anything of it. But you've got to have a reality and a grief about you to say, you know what, if I don't grieve and ask God for direction, I'm never going to see them again once they die. 
I want to be able to see that. I remember Patsy would always say, Al, you know what? I would be so hurt at the end of time if I don't see all of my children and my grandchildren walking through in heaven. I, I don't want not one generation to miss it. I would be, I, I don't even know how, I don't even know how God can wipe away my tears. I want to see everybody, everybody come through that gate. And he said, Al, everybody at Church of the Living Water that's under my, I want to see them coming through that gate. Because of something I put in them. Something I... See, he had a grief about that. I want them all in. I don't want not one to miss it. Not one. That's what I'm talking about when I say your heart. You know, if you don't have this kind of heart, you will not rise and build. Now go with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. What? I know that doesn't say what I think it says. Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. Let's, let, 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 we're just going to get into it because I can't believe. What? Are you in Nehemiah chapter 1? The word of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu. In the 20th year. Now, Chislu, it, it means a part of November and a part of December. So at the end of November and the beginning of December. That's what Chislu means. As I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hagnoni, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left in captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So he began to talk to him about it because he hadn't been there. Nehemiah hadn't. And he said unto me, The remnants that are left in the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and a reproach. The, uh, and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him, love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Which we have sinned against thee. Which we, we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the, the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commanded thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you trespass, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heavens, yet will I gather thee from hence, and will bring them into 
unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Listen, listen to me. Nehemiah heard what was going on. The Bible says he wept and he prayed. He was grieved. He he just heard about it. Because remember this, you have to understand something. Nehemiah wasn't going back and forth to Jerusalem. Nehemiah was in a safe place. He was in the palace. He was being kept there. He lived there. He had a good job. That's why he said, tell me what's been going on. Because he did not go there. But he wanted to know what was, was happening. Nehemiah never had gone back to Jerusalem. But when he heard what was going on, about his brothers and his sisters. He cried, he cried out to God and wept and prayed. Church, note number, letter A. If I'm going to establish the will of God, I must lament. I must lament. Lament means to have a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. An uh, An expression of regret, disappointment, deep grief. The Bible says Nehemiah wept and mourned. It means to express extreme disappointment over something that's unsatisfactory. He expressed extreme disappointment of the state where his people were. Get it what he was doing. And note that, listen, that it didn't say them versus me. He said, I've sinned too. He said, we He said, I and my father's house. I've sinned too. My father's house had sinned. In other words, if things are like this, he basically said, I had a part to play. Ooh, and that's good. Church, every time a young man gets locked up, we all have a part to play. Um, we all have a part you see what Nehemiah said he didn't even live there another young girl turns up pregnant we all had a part to play every time somebody takes their life all of us had a part to play every time someone goes out and shoots someone or put their knee on someone's neck somebody you know whatever it is we had a part to play. Every time graduation drops in the schools, we had a part to play. I want, I want, uh, we, we, we're seeing it all right here. Nehemiah said, oh no, we have sinned against you and done corrupt. See, you might not have been there when they had sex, and you might not have gotten, when they were sitting and went to jail, you might not have been there when they wasn't doing their homework, but what were you doing to get them where they needed to be? Caught up in your own life. Every one time somebody's con- con- have an addiction of crack and drugs and cocaine and, and all, marijuana and all those things, we have a part to play. And it's not until we lament. We have to lament. Uh, and when I, what did I say? We have to show extreme disappointment. We have to have extreme You know what? We have to say, God, this is not right. Something is just not right. If you're not extremely disappointed 
if you are not extremely sorrowful about what's going on in our churches, in our, let me tell you, you are not ready to establish the will of God. See, it hurts. Let her be to establish the will of God, I have to pray. A grieved heart leads to prayer. A grieved heart leads to prayer. Listen, we don't pray, you know. Now, this, this is what I have to say about the church. We don't pray, we ask God. There's a difference. We ask God for stuff. The church doesn't pray. The church nowadays goes to God like he's a cosmic Amazon. Let me go see what, me see what I can get and what I can order now from him. And I go and I crank him up and I do it and you know I do a search for what I want. God, you can download that into my life. That's not prayer. That's not grieving. We're just asking him for stuff. But if the church grieved, our grief will turn into prayer. Real prayer. And then when it comes into real prayer, then we'll have the ear of God. The ear of our Father. And when our fathers hear our grieving, our prayers, our lamentations, He will be compelled to respond to us. He hasn't been compelled to respond to us because we haven't lamented. We haven't did lamentations. We haven't grieved. We're just praying and asking for stuff. And you know, we, you, I remember when we said the young adults, we're going to push them for anything. And then the older people would say, well, okay, well, you know, we know the, the well, what, what, you know, I know they're being restored and stuff, and, you know, they're stepping up, you know, so what, what, am, what, what is our part? Get on your knees and pray. You ain't got to not do nothing. Get on your knees and pray. See, our generation, the generation before us, mothers and fathers and grandparents and uncles and us, they prayed you through. They got on their knees and prayed. Let me tell you, they prayed you through when you came in drunk and smelling like liquor, laid out on the bed. They cried. Let me tell you, they let you lay down in the bed smelling like liquor. They get on the side of the bed and they pray down the glory of God. They were grieved on the inside. They, they didn't care if your breath smelled like marijuana. They would pray you down. They pour all on you. They pray, they pray for you going out and coming in. And while you was out there, they pray, Father, keep them. That's grief. And God responded, that's why you're alive today. What nothing that you nothing in and of yourself. You didn't get yourself out of it. That was elder people praying. But we don't pray like that anymore. Because we don't grieve. They would grieve. They get it done. They didn't care. They come in you come in cussing everything and they would just pray you down, just pray you through. They would plead, Father, save my daughter. Save my son. Save that wayward grandchild. Father, only you can do it. And guess what? They never gave God a rest. They prayed day and night. That's called grieving. And let me tell you, for some of you that belong here, they prayed day and night to God opened years ago. 
Church of the Living Water and brought you behind to sit down in it. That was their prayer. See, you don't, you don't, you don't register that with that. God said, I'm going to raise up Church of the Living Water because these people pray for the grief and they, these people need a place where they're going to hear truth, where they're going to be taught the Word of God, that they need a teaching priest that's going to teach them where they can come out of it because I've got to answer the prayer of the righteous that grieve and call out to my name. And all, let me tell you, all of heaven and every angel ought to know your child's name instead of all of hell knowing it. They should know their name. Why? Because I'm forever before his face, grieving over them. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Some of you can't even appreciate the place that God has given you to, to, to grow and develop that your, your great-great-grandparents prayed for before you even got here. See, you don't know how God works. You don't know how God works. That lets you know you don't know your father. That's how he works. God reached way back in the Carolinas and said, nope, this is where I need you to be. It's been, been prayed for before you were even born. It was been prayed for by your mother. It's been prayed for by your father. He reached way all over Florida. He just, he just started picking them out. He even picks up from Austin. Everywhere. He picks up. And people won't even stay where God has prepared for them. They just scatter themselves and don't realize that's not where your blessings are. Your blessings is where God, He sets you in the body as He sees fit. Why? Because He has made a promise to His grieving servants. That's why you're going to come back. Because if, you got to. Because it's already been done. If that's been established by God, get outside of your feelings. Because that's where your blessings lie. They pray, Father, not, don't let not one of my children go to hell. You say, well, they got to go through church of the living water. That's where I'm going to put them. They knew how to pray. But their prayers, listen, but their prayers started out of grief. It didn't just be something off the top of their head. They were already grieving for them. They were grieving for you and mourning for you. But let me tell you, a lot of grandparents, they were looking at their children and they were thinking, oh, they're not ready to raise these children. And they start grieving and praying for them. And you might have lived in another house, but they, they were so connected with God, they knew how you were raising them in another house. And they would grieve for their grandchildren and pray. Hmm. Church, we have to stop throwing up these weak little pitly prayers. Asking God for what we want. Get on your knees and make sure all of heaven knows your son's and daughter's name. Make sure they know him. Make it so that every time God looks at you, you're praying for that person. We've got to get back to that way. The way it was. That's his beginning, church. You know, when you're young, you know, you used to laugh at prayer meetings. You laugh, and some, and some of you still do. 
And some of my, my children, they still, they, my, my sons now, they laugh at me about different things I say because I, I go right in it on God. And the children do something, I said, and God said that, and, or, or, or me and Isaiah, or, or I, we be talking, whatever, and I come right back with you and be like, oh, here she go. Yes! Because that's who I am. God doesn't like this. I said, no, no, what would God say about that? What, what was this? And I'll always, and uh, it's going to come in, because that's who I am. You don't lay hands on your children as a joke. So church, if you're going to be established with the will of God, we have to get back to expressing our hearts to God. You know what? God is doing too much of the work. He's expressing his art to us. We're not expressing ours to him. We need to express our heart to him. To establish the will of God, let us see, I have to, to, uh, I have to compel to do. I have to compel to do. I gotta do something. So I have to lament and pray. But after I've done that, I have to be compelled to do something. Because when you do, when you grieve and you, you lament and pray, God is going to give you instructions to do. You have to do something. You know, the Bible is inexhaustible and every time you read it, you can learn something. God went to Moses because he heard the cry of his people. Listen, listen to this. God went to Moses because he heard the cry of the people. But notice this. God never came to Nehemiah. Read it carefully. Lord never came to Nehemiah. Nehemiah went to the Lord. Why? Because he was grieved. Then later in chapter 2, you will, you will find out that he began to inspect the city. And we, and, and we have to read this before, you know, before he went to the elders. Look in, in chapter 2, verse 17. It says, Then said I unto them, Ye... Ye see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Then we know that in the next few verses, Sambalek, Tobiah, and Geshem began to make fun of him. I'm not going to read all that, for what he was doing. But then in verse 20, listen what he said. In verse 20. Then answered I unto them, the ones that was making fun of him, and he said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Listen to me, church. To establish the will of God, letter A, this is the, the next one. We can't be intimidated by the size of the challenge that God gives us. You cannot be intimidated. There is no, let, let, let me tell you, there's no, no one in my family, every family member, you, you know, you, you will say that, there's no one, there's no one in my family that I could go to that, that can, can even stand to that. Listen, I don't care that your family's in despair. You've got to do something. 
How are we going to get to the next generation? How are we going to get the youth? You know, I don't know. How are we going to get them to love God? You know, they don't, their parents don't bring them to church. How are we going to get all that done? How are we going to, don't be intimidated by the challenge. We can do this. Stop being intimidated. I don't know how we're going to do it. What should we do next? What? See, now you're thinking off the top of your head. See, Nehemiah wanted to rebuild an entire city. He didn't let the size of that challenge intimidate him. Why? Because I've got instructions from God because I grieved and he gave me he, uh, about what I heard. And then after what I saw. Listen, sometimes we forget that all the challenges, listen, are conquered one brick at a time. See, we look at the big thing and we're like, oh, I can't do that. No, it's just one brick at a time. Brick by brick by brick. That's how you do it. You tear the kingdoms down, the, the devil's kingdoms down, the same way. You dismantle it one brick at a time. Don't go in and try to bombard it one brick. Well, to build, you got to do it. I don't care how big it seems. I don't care how difficult it seems. I don't care how much mistakes they've made. Just one brick at a time. Don't try to get them way, way over there. That's just like trying to lose weight all in one walk. Okay, okay, I worked out today. I want everything to fall out. Uh, no, no, no. One inch at a time. Then come the pounds. Then come, it's just one, one at a time. Stop trying to rush it. Same thing. Then you won't be intimidated. Say, okay. That, well, I, let me, and I, I, uh, those of us that went and we were getting ready for our jail ministries, you all, everybody should have gotten a long time ago, got there because I got mine and several people had told me you should have gotten, you should check your email because they should have given you the, the um, confirmation that we were accepted to go in and you may have looked over it or you may have gotten yours or whatever. But see, all of that, that's, that cannot be like, oh God, well, when we do that, what's going to be? One brick at a time. We start there. Yeah, and and we're we just going to do it one brick at a time and build it up. Build it up. Build it up. That's all you have to do. Don't be intimidated by the size of the challenge. Start putting up brick. Stop gazing. Just put up a brick. Just start putting them up one at a time. Are you with me? Listen. You can't be intimidated. You can- Listen. Write it down. Letter B. You can't be intimidated. Your ability, you have to have the ability to accomplish the work. You have to have the ability to conquer the, accomplish the work. In other words, God may ask you to do something, listen, that you've never done before. See, I don't know, I've never done that. God may ask you to do something that you've never done before. You can't be intimidated by your ability to accomplish the work if He asks you. Listen. I have been a pastor once, one time, and that's right now, one time, and I've never done it until I had to do it. See, it doesn't matter that you've never done it, if God has called you to it, now you have to do it. Now this is what you have to war against. Now this is what I call it. This is what you have to war against when God gives you something that you may have never done before. Write it down. I call it compensated ignorance. War against that. Compensated ignorance. And listen, the world has set up a system of compensated ignorance. 
Listen. The world pays well to not know anything. Did you hear me? We live in an environment and a society now that everybody can be a vice president, VP, a CEO, director, head of. But when you drill down into what pers- that person does, they really don't do anything. No, I'm, I, I want you to get this. Because they really don't. And society made it that way for a reason. Now this is what the world does. I'm trying to let you see something. Because all of this plays in. And especially those of you about to get out into the workforce and stuff, uh, we got to get this into you. Because they, they give you titles and you'll leave all of God. Listen. This is how the world plays that out. I said, God, you're awesome. What the world does is pay us handsomely to only learn one task. Did you hear me? They will pay you well just to only learn one task. And then they begin to keep giving you elevated titles to keep you comfortable with that one task that you do. They just give you different titles. Knowing this, that if you only know that one task, you can't replicate what they do. Ooh, y'all missed that, didn't you? See, this is, and that's how I get it. That's compensated ignorance. They give you the titles, the cell phone, the laptop. And they say that you but but you've only got this one task, which you're really not doing nothing. But they keep you right there, just keep giving you titles like you know more than what you're doing, but actually you're not. And they put the, they give you another twenty thousand, they give you another little ten thousand, they give you all of that just to keep you and make sure that you can't replicate what they do. And actually, that's a smart strategy. I'm not trying to down them for it. That's a good strategy. But what happens is, this creates a nation of people within the body of Christ who are intimidated anytime you ask them to do something that requires original thought or original planning because they're stuck. One thing. One thing. So now you ask them to do something and they stuck. Because that's going to require me to really give some thought to it. See, the problem is we don't think that we can do nothing unless we have a blueprint already of it. Did you hear me? Now, unless the blueprint came from someone else, we can't do anything. Because we think the ability to create something from nothing is outside of our mental capacity. I can't think on that. Why? Because we have been compensated to think that way. So we bring it into the church. What bothers me, let me tell you what bothers me. It's when I ask somebody about something, people always want to go get an old manual, an old program, of how it used to, how we used to do it. We used to do it like this over here. Well, now this is the difference between me and you. 
Most people, and most of you, you all think that the world system is failing because of the people that are in the system. I think that it's all failing because of the system. Well, it ain't working because see this, this person, that person. That. No, see, you think it's the people of the system. But I think it's the system that's failing. Because this is not God's system. Oh, you better grab a hold of this. All of this is coming into play. So we try to do, what we try to do is we try to bring the world system into the church. But no, it's not going to succeed. Church and world don't mix. I believe that the system is failing. I'm not going to allow a failing system to be in this body of Christ. Because believers doing the world system is not going to work. It's not going to work because it's not the people. It's the system. So don't bring it here. And stop being intimidated that you can't come up with something yourself. You can come up with something yourself. You don't have to go to that blueprint. Listen, when are we going to learn that we're smart enough? We are smart enough. I tell myself every day, I'm smart enough to do stuff myself. I don't have to find out what the world is doing. We don't trust that God has given us brilliant minds. We just don't trust it. I don't know. God has given you a brilliant mind. We just, oh, we just won't use it. God has made us highly, highly, highly intelligent. But the world has dumbed us down. He dumbed us down into dependency up on them. And now when God speaks, we get intimidated by our ability to accomplish the work because the world has dumbed us down and made us think, you can't do that. It's no way. We cannot, church, be intimidated. That's why I want to restore this generation. I want to get there. And that's why I want you young people, that's why I'm trying to get you where you need to be because this is what I don't want. I want to get the young adults, get them in church and in leadership before they get indoctrinated into the system. Many of them have already. Before they get indoctrinated into the system, that's failing. And they no longer have the created ability to lift our church to where it actually needs to be. And those of you going off the college, I'm telling you, I don't want you indoctrinated. You do the work. You don't become indoctrinated with their system. You won't be able to help us to get the church where it needs to be. The longer you stay out in that junk, the junkier you become. That's a word. You just become. You can, I've seen people. I've seen people in this ministry. They want to do so much, but their hearts and their commitment is to their job. And this is what I told them, so you won't get offended with nobody that's doing it. I observed. I said, if their job is more important than this church. 
fine. I don't have any problem with it. I'm not mad at them. But you don't give them much to do. You don't give them anything important to do. Because they're not going to finish it. Because every time their job calls, they're going to drop it and go. Drop it and go. They're not going to do anything but be faithful to that job. And that's okay. It's okay. You just can't hold up the church with it. I'm not going to have that. So once I know that it's all about your job, and, 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 and there's balance. I'm not talking about, sometimes it's things that come up. But if every time, everything is, uh, my, Church of Living Water is not, not, not uh, beholden to your job. Waiting for you to get through with your job before we can do something in the church. I dare you put God on hold for a darn job that's passing away. And let me tell you, and if you die today, somebody will be in your chair tomorrow. That's how much they care about you. One thing that I, I, I love about our ministers here and, 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 and our ministers, they got, you know, they got nice jobs and, and what the world calls big jobs or whatever. But they never put their jobs before the things of God. When it comes to the things of God, they're going to be participating. They're going to be, well, they'll be okay. I'm, they, their main concern is their walk with God because they, their mind is more on eternal things than temple. They realize that their job is just a means of occupying until he comes. But they don't put their, people put their whole lives on a job. I do not want our young adults to be indoctrinated with that. Yes, you have to work. Yes, you have to make uh, money in order to live in this world. But don't make that your priority. The longer you stay out there, the junker you are. Let us see. I can't be intimidated by the adversities that you will face. Know that you're going to have adversities. That's all I have to say about that. And know that they're going to keep coming. No, you can't be intimidated about it. Listen, you're going to face adversity. You cannot allow it to get you bent out of shape. Go through it. Learn from it. Be prepared for the next one. Do better and keep it pushing. Number three. To establish the will of God, I must work with what I have. I must work with what I have. We at Church of the Living Water, we must work with what we have. Now, listen to me about Jeremiah, I mean Nehemiah. It took him 52 days to build the walls and put the gates back on. 52 days. And he did it with laborers who had no skills. Go back and read it. He did it with laborers that had no skills. In 52 days. And with wood and stone that had been burnt. Oh my God. See, when God, don't be intimidated how big it is. Don't, well, he didn't say, oh God, this wood is no good. He did everything. Oh Lord, all the people that really know how to do this, they're not on our side, so we can't do this and everything. He took what he had. God said, what's that in your hand? And he'll touch it. 52 days. He did what took decades to build. The first time he built the walls with laborers that had no skills, wood and stone that had been burned. Church, stop looking. Stop looking for the new and shiny. Just stop looking for the new and shiny. We're going to do what God has called us to do. We're going to do it with laborers who are without skills. 
It's okay. And we're going to do it with wood and stone that have been burned. God said, tell him, you're going to do it. In other words, to establish the will of God, we have to work with those who God has given us. And I have seen it over this pandemic, the ones that God has given us. See, God has given us, us, and us is going to get it done. We're going to do it. God has given us, us. I don't care how many it is. I don't care if it's five of us. I don't care if it's ten of us. I, I would love for it to be the whole church. Because God has given us, us. And us have to do it. To establish the will of God, we have to work with some things that have been damaged. Stop looking for the new. When the new come in, the damage ought to be prepared to take them on. You have to use the burnt in your family. Because they're already in your family. They're already in your family. God wants to use those that have been burnt by fire. Scorched by the fire. Left for no good. Set by the side of the road. They're the ones that's going to be the new gates. We can do this. Church of Living Water, we can do this. We have the ability to get it done. If we're going to be used by God, we have to learn to use things that have been torn down. We will not cast away anyone. So it doesn't matter if you're sitting now. Just know if you're in preparation. Doesn't matter that you've been in ruins. It's that you're in excellent. You make an excellent foundation. Listen. One thing I was doing some research and I read this up and I said, you know what? That's good, God. In ancient cities like Jerusalem and in uh, and, 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 and countries that's thousands of years old, we're young because we we're babies. We ain't even we we barely been here two hundred years. It, countries that's been here for thousands of years. In places like Jerusalem, what they did is when cities were burned down, they would go back and rebuild on the ruins. And when they would go to be back, they would dig down, and sometimes they dig down five or six cities had 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 been torn down in that area, and they would rebuild right on that area, right on those ruins. They build another city. They build another city. They didn't go and get another foundation. They would go right there on that city. And I'm like, how did they do it? And guess, and they, they didn't try to clear up. They built on the ruins. Now that amazed me. So what I'm trying to say in all that is, some of your families, listen, they, they're in ruin. But you can build on it. Some of your children, your neighborhoods, your finances may be in ruins. But don't worry about that. You have to build right in that same spot. Okay, I'm just going to do it. No, no, no. Right where the ruins are. Start building right there. See, your last name is your last name. If it's in ruins, there's nothing you can do about that now. But you know, but you don't have to go and try to change your name. Build on it. Use those ruins as a foundation for a new name. 
if you're credited back, build on that name and start a new, new name. Build on those ruins. On that, right on top of that old name. Sometimes we're so busy trying to leave the place, listen, of ruins, not understanding that God is saying to build on those broken places. Don't wait, wait. I know we want to leave, but no. He said, no, you're going to build right there on those broken places. He will build on the broken places in your life. I don't care what's broken in your life. God will build on it. He's not trying. He will build right there and give you a new life. Those, that old life, that ruined life, can be a foundation for a new city in your life. Let him build on it. God can build on the ruins of our families. God can build on the ruins of this church. A ruined family and a, 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 ruined, a ruined whatever it is, whatever the one is, let me tell you, it can be a nice foundation for a new family, a new city, a new church, a new establishment. It can be right there. He built on ruins. That's a prime example. I'm telling you, when I read that, five and six cities built on one foundation. And another generation came in and built on that same one. And another one built on that same one. It also told me that what was passed down From generation to generation. We want to build a foundation that lasts forever, that is never torn down. Nobody has to rebuild on it. I'm talking about it as a church as a whole. We want to be, make it be established. And whatever adversities that we've gone through, we just push through and we keep building. We stay on the wall. We don't come down off the wall and say, do we need to tear that down and just start all over? No, we're building on the ruins. We're building on the ruins. And you can do that in your life. Don't give up. Don't Listen, we're in a time of preparation. I'm out of time, but we're in a time of preparation. Do not give up. Don't give up on what God is saying to you. Don't give up on grieving. Find out what's going to say. You know what? My heart is not great. Get yourself in position. Don't let this time. Time is working for you now. It won't always don't let it slip by. Don't get caught up in your own foolishness and miss this time of preparation. Don't get caught up in your own foolishness and the time go by and then that, that dispensation is closed. Don't let it do it because I'm telling you, when a dispensation closed on you and you should have did something, it's very hard to get that swing back on. It's hard to be motivated to get it back on. It's hard to get it back where it needs to be. Not impossible. But hard. You know, let's, let's not make it hard. You young adults out there, let's not make it hard. God is speaking to your heart. Don't look at the package. If you look at the package, you're going to miss it. If you're looking at me, you're going to miss it. You better hear from God. You better know what God is speaking to your heart. You had better stop playing around with you, your children's life, your family's life. You played long enough. Now time is working against you. And you may not ever be able, ever be able to even get the, the well, you're not going to get that time back, but the time you have, you're probably going to be so caught up in because you're all out of season that you don't even realize, you know what? Time has ran out. I'm at the edge of time and it's working against me. Every day is working against you. 
Every day that time is working for you, do something with it. Make good with your time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste, like, like the minister said this morning, you don't waste your time with those foolish relationships. Don't waste, I don't care. Let me tell you, get outside of your feelings. It will change. It'll be just fine. You're not going to die. Every, listen, everybody you lose is not lost. Everybody you lose is not lost. Sometimes you've got to say, you know what, it's going to hurt me. But you know what? I heard God today. Not hear him today, and then by Tuesday, you back in your feelings, and you ringing their phone, and you wanting to talk to them, and all that foolishness. Not, not, not any of that foolishness. I want to stay on God's plan. I'm being prepared for his next move. And his next move is going to be awesome. And what's next coming, you had better be ready. You had better, you better plant your feet down because it's going to come and it's going to come hard and it's going to come strong. And only those that have planted themselves in the word of God are going to be able to stand. You're in a good place. You're in a good spot. We need to be rooted, grounded, settled, and established forever. And God will be with you. Extend to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.